Go in your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Vamos a regresar esta noche a Primera de Samuel, el capítulo 17 de este uh, libro histórico. We go to this historic book in the Bible, and one of the best known, probably the best known story of the Old Testament among uh, believers and non-believers alike is the, the conquest of David over Goliath. Uh, una de las uh, historias más reconocidas entre todo el pueblo, uh, tanto creyente como no creyente, es la conquista de David sobre Goliat. We studied it last week, and I want us to go uh, again and uh, review and study some more because this, this story is full of, rich, of richness and truth for our life. Esa historia está rica con uh, verdades para nuestra vida. La estudiamos la, la semana pasada y vamos a seguir estudiando porque siempre hay más. There's always more. When you take your Bible and you study it, when you read it, and you pull out the, the shovel and you start to dig, you find precious truths in there that are uh, life-changing and relevant for your life. Cuando usted comienza a escarbar en la Escritura, usted puede hallar principios ahí que pueden cambiar su vida y darle vida también. And so we're going to read tonight, uh, beginning in chapter 17, and we're going to read just a couple of verses as we read uh, toward the end of the story. Then we're going to go back and do some review, and we'll begin reading at verse 44. Vamos a comenzar leyendo el verso 44. The Philistine also said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky, and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hands. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your word, which is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. I ask that you would speak to each and every individual heart and every individual need tonight. And I pray that you would anoint my lips with clay to speak the word of the living God. We ask this in Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. Amen. I want to share tonight about some choices that David made in this scenario that are very important for you and I to make if we're going to walk in victory. Quiero hablar esta noche sobre algunas decisiones que David hizo en esta escena de su vida que son también necesarias para nosotros poder vivir en victoria. How many of you want to live in victory? ¿Cuántos quieren vivir en victoria? You know, victory is not uh, just something that is for a select few. La victoria no es algo que es simplemente para algunos, but it is for every believer. La victoria le pertenece a todo creyente. And God wants you to live in victory. Dios quiere que usted viva en victoria. 
and to live in victory in all the areas of your life. Que usted viva en victoria en todas las áreas de su vida. That means uh, victory in your emotions, victory in your, in your inner life, victoria en su vida interior, en sus emociones. That means victory in your relationships, victoria en sus relaciones, sus amistades. That means victory with your marriage, victory in your, uh, in your child raising, victory in your extended family, victory in your relationships with your coworkers and neighbors. And he wants you to have victory in your finances. How many of you want victory in your finances? Uh, el Señor quiere que usted tenga victoria en sus finanzas también, uh, en su dinero, en, en poder prosperar, victory in your finances, to be able to prosper, to be able to uh, have enough to do all that God wants you to do and more so that you can be generous. Say amen, somebody. God wants you to have victory in every area of your life. Dios quiere que usted tenga victoria en cada área de su vida. But the important thing to recognize here, though, is this, that our life is the result of the choices that we make. Nuestra vida es el resultado de las decisiones que hacemos. And there are some definite choices you and I can make that will either determine if we're going to live in victory or we're going to live in a, in a survival mode or if we're going to live in defeat. Uh, hay, hay decisiones que usted tiene que hacer y esas decisiones van a determinar si usted va a vivir en victoria o va a vivir siempre sobreviviendo o si usted va a vivir derrotado. Now, maybe some of you are not living in defeat. Hopefully nobody in here is living in defeat. Now, that would be um, a, a tragedy if, if you're living in defeat, but some of you may be living in survival where you're just getting by, just making it. God has more for you than that. Say amen, somebody. Now, God wants you to live in victory, to have the full, complete, and absolute victory in all the areas of your life. But our life, then, is, is depending upon the choices that we make. And you might say, Pastor Isaac, the, the fact is there's some things going on in my life that are the result of other people's choices, and there's nothing I could do about that. Quizá usted diga, no, bueno, Pastor, hay decisiones que otros han hecho, que uh, afectan mi vida, that's true. How, uh, however, uh, what makes your life good quality living is the choices you make about how to handle and think about the way that other people make choices. Lo que hace la calidad de su vida es la forma en que usted, usted responde a las decisiones que otros hacen. Uh, you know, somebody can cut you off on the highway. Alguien lo, lo puede, uh, puede atravesarse cuando usted va en la autopista uh, or in, in, in el camino, they can cut you off on the highway. That's their decision. But whether you are, you, whether you're going to road rage or not, that's your decision. Say amen, somebody. How you respond to the events in your life is up to you. And our life today is a result of the choices we made yesterday. Nuestra vida hoy es el resultado de decisiones que hicimos ayer. And so there are important choices and. Tonight I want you to study with me because as we look at David uh, and his conquest of Goliath, we see there were some choices he made that made the difference. Uh, hubo varias decisiones que David hace aquí en este pasaje que hicieron la diferencia en su vida. So let's get started tonight. Uh, I mentioned last time that there were three voices that David had to overcome. Hubo tres voces que David tuvo que vencer. He had to overcome the voice of his brother, 
that was the voice of accusation. You remember that? Tuvo que sobrepasar o salir adelante con la voz de su hermano que lo acusaba. And so you're always going to have the accuser in your life. Siempre vas a tener el acusador en tu vida, but you're going to have to overcome that voice. Vas a tener que sobrepasar esa voz, and then he had to overcome the voice of his king. Luego tuvo que ir más allá que la voz de su rey. The voice of King Saul said, you are not able. La voz del rey Saúl le dijo, no puedes. How many of you, when somebody tells you what you can't do, it just makes you want to can do it even more? Now, you have that kind of attitude in you. Well, that's, that's uh, important because there are going to be a lot of people who can tell you what you can't do. And there are a lot of people who know what can't work and what won't work and what has never been done before. And you have to make a decision. I'm not going to listen to the voice of unbelief in my life. Usted tiene que hacer una decisión con David uh, y decir, yo no voy a escuchar la voz de la incredulidad en mi vida. And then he had to overcome the voice of disdain. Luego tuvo que uh, ir más allá que la voz que lo uh, subestimaba. And we see this is Goliath's voice, la voz de Goliath. Goliath, the Bible said Goliath looked at him and mocked him because he was a young man and he was good looking. Isn't that just funny when the devil, all he's got left to make fun of you about is you're good looking. You're, you know, you're doing all right if that's the best the devil has. But the same thing happened to the, the, the three Hebrews in the book of Daniel. So that's just a reality that comes when you have the favor of God on your life. There's going to be a voice trying to knock you down a few notches, trying to put you back into a low place. And you have to say, I'm not going to listen to that voice. You have to know who you are. You have to know who you are in Christ. You have to know that you are the image of God. And you have to know that you have been chosen by God to do great things. Usted tiene que saber quién es usted y qué es lo que Dios lo ha hecho para que usted haga y cómo Dios se va a glorificar en su vida. Say it with me. I know who I am. If you know who you are, you're not going to listen to the voice of the enemy that's trying to bring you down. Usted tiene que saber quién es usted. Now, uh, before I get into the choices that I want to deal with tonight, I want to mention something to you that's very important, and that's in verse 26. Quiero mencionar lo que vemos aquí en el verso 26. It says, David spoke to the men who were standing by him, saying, What will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? Now David obviously knows who he is. David entiende quién él es uh, by the way that he refers to the Philistine. Es de la forma que él se refiere al filisteo. Now this is not just David talking trash, okay? If you read the chapter as though David is talking trash, you're going to miss the whole point of the chapter. Okay, uh, uh, cuando usted lee ese capítulo y usted lee las cosas que David dice, no las debe leer como una persona que está simplemente provocando en una, en una pelea. I know some of you are real good at talking trash. You can, you can just dish it out. That's not what David is doing. Because you're going to read some things in here. For instance, David said to him, to the giant, today God is going to deliver you into my hands and I'm going to take your head off. He is not 
just talking trash. You guys know what I mean by talking trash, right? He's not just taunting the enemy. He is actually prophesying. He is actually speaking by faith. And that's what you have to realize. When you go up against the giant, when you go up against the devil, you don't need to be talking trash. You need to talk faith. You need to put words in your mouth that reflect the will and word of God. Say amen, somebody. Cuando usted entra a una batalla con el enemigo, uh, usted no debe usar palabras provocativas. Use palabras proféticas. Use la palabra de Dios. So David is using the word of God. And listen, he calls him an uncircumcised Philistine. Le llama un filisteo incircunciso. Now that may not mean too much on the surface, but what David is pointing out is that there is a fundamental difference between him and Goliath. David aquí, con esa frase, está mostrando que hay una diferencia fundamental entre él y entre Goliath, entre Israel y los filisteos, between Israel and the Philistines. And this is the fundamental difference. David recognizes that the sign of circumcision is a sign of being in covenant with God. David reconoce que la circuncisión es la señal de estar en pacto con Dios. So this is literally what he is saying. He's saying that Goliath, that giant, that Philistine is not in covenant with God and I am. Él está diciendo, ese filisteo no está en pacto con Dios. Y yo sí estoy en pacto con Dios. So David has done the math, and he has concluded that although the Philistine is bigger than him, and he's got a, a, a stronger weapon than him, and that he has even maybe a bigger army than him, because he's not in covenant with God, he has no advantage over him. Say amen, somebody. David ha hecho la matemática, y él ha decidido que aunque el gigante es más grande que él, aunque el gigante tiene mejor arma que él quizá, y aunque el gigante quizá tenga un ejército más grande que él, el hecho de que el gigante no está en pacto con Dios significa que el gigante no tiene ventaja sobre él. So let me ask you a question tonight. Are you in covenant with God? Déjeme hacerle la pregunta. ¿Está usted en pacto con Dios? Now my ears are real good at telling who said amen, who didn't. All right, so that was about half of you. That might mean the other half does not know what I mean by covenant or you just aren't in covenant with God. All right, so I'm going to give you a chance here to understand this because it's very important. Esto muy importante que usted lo entienda. Uh, when you and I come to, come to God and we say, Lord, I have committed sin against you. I ask you to forgive me and I ask you to let Jesus come into my heart and save me, you have come under the covenant of grace. And now you are in covenant with God. And now when you when you pray, uh, your prayers are answered because of the blood of Jesus, and your sins are covered because of the blood of Jesus, and your past is erased as far as God is concerned because of the blood of Jesus. So let me ask you again, are you in covenant with God? When you and I receive the Lord's table on Sunday morning, we receive the elements of the communion, we receive the bread and the wine, we are receiving the covenant meal of the believer. It is a periodic reminder that we are a covenant people, that we are in covenant with God. Now, some of you are in a marriage covenant. That means that when you go home, your spouse goes home with you, all right? You are in covenant together. Say amen, somebody. You might say, well, I don't want them to go home with me tonight. 
Well, they're going home with you tonight because they're in covenant with you. Now, you don't have the same covenant with your children. All right, but you do have that covenant with your spouse. Well, guess what? You're, if you're in covenant with God, that means when you go home tonight, God goes home tonight too. Say amen, somebody. That means that what belongs to God belongs to you by covenant. Si usted está en pacto con Dios, usted tiene relación con Dios, así que cuando usted regrese a casa, Dios va con usted. And, and the act of being in covenant with God sets you apart from people who are not in covenant with God. El hecho de estar en pacto con Dios significa que usted ha sido puesto a un lugar separado de aquellos que no están en pacto con Dios. And the covenant means you have advantages. El pacto significa que usted tiene una ventaja. It means that you have been given favor. Uh, you've been given a favored status. El pacto significa que usted tiene una, una status de favor. And so tonight, I want you to say this with me. I have covenant advantages. Say it again. I have covenant advantages. Listen, when you belong to a certain group, and that group gives you discounts, those are, those are group discounts, right? They're advantages you get because you're a part of the group. Guess what? You are a part of the covenant that was made by God and Christ at the cross. And because of that, the blessing of Abraham has come upon you. So you have covenant advantages. Say again. I have covenant advantages. Now That's very important because David knows that. David entiende, yo tengo la ventaja del pacto. So when he walks into this scenario with this giant, the fact that he's in covenant and the giant is not is crystal clear in his mind. Cuando David confronta este gigante y él ve lo espiritual. You see, David is looking at the spiritual reality. Covenant, no covenant. Advantage, no advantage. Él está viendo la, el ojo espiritual. Él ve pacto y no pacto. Ve ventaja y no ventaja. And now, the only possible outcome that David can, can have in his mind is that he's going to win. La única, el único resultado que, que David puede pensar que va a ser el resultado de este, de este escenario en su vida es que él va a ganar. Why does he have so much confidence that he's going to win? ¿Por qué tiene la, la confianza que él va a ganar? Because he knows he's in covenant with God and Goliath is not. Él sabe, yo estoy en pacto con Dios, Goliath no está en pacto con Dios, así que no hay otra salida. There is no other outcome to this. Listen, get this in your spirit. When you are in covenant with God, the only outcome for you is victory. Si ustedes están en pacto con Dios, la única resultado, el único resultado para usted es la victoria. Only about four of you said amen. So I'm going to say it again. When you're in covenant with God, the only outcome for you is victory. The problem is many times you show up at a, at a battlefield and you don't have the consciousness of being in covenant with God. And you've got to have that always before you. I'm in covenant with God. I have the advantage 
of the blood of Jesus. I have the advantage of the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of me. I have the advantage of spiritual discernment. I have the advantage of the Word of God. I have the advantage of the prophetic word spoken over my life. Say, say amen, somebody. This advantage is real, and this advantage guarantees you victory. David is calling out this fact, and he's understanding spiritual realities that over that, uh, uh, that overart the natural reality. David está es, 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 describiendo aquí una realidad espiritual que sobrepasa la realidad natural. From the natural, you have a little boy and a big giant. Who's going to win? In the natural, the giant has to win. But in the spiritual reality, you have a giant boy and a little man. Because the boy is in covenant with God. So I feel sorry for any devil that runs into you this week when you know you're in covenant with God. Say amen, somebody. I said you're in covenant with God. Act like it. When you go ask for that job, you ask for it with confidence because you're in covenant with God. Say amen, somebody. You have the advantage. Usted tiene la ventaja porque usted está en pacto con Dios. Now let's look at the choices David makes. Aquí están las decisiones que David hace. Number one, choose your attitude. Número uno, escoge tu actitud. Tell your neighbor, choose your attitude. Did you know that your attitude is a choice? Nobody say yes or no. I, I don't know. Usted no sabe, tiene que saber, su actitud es una decisión. If you're in a bad attitude, you can get out of a bad attitude by making a choice. Si usted tiene actitud mala, usted puede salir de eso con una decisión. And do you know that victory determines or is determined by the choice you make? Because you're going to have an attitude about this thing you're confronting, and either you can have the, the you can have the attitude of the covenant of God, and the attitude of the kingdom of God, and the attitude of the children of God, or you can have a different attitude. So you've got to choose your attitude. Listen, what is David confronted with? He's confronted with a brother that tells him that he is uh, that he it starts accusing him, and this this thing has been going on for a long time. Um, if you look at this relationship, David is the resented brother. He's the little brother. He's not expected to amount to anything. And so it's real easy to get a, an attitude about it when people don't see in you what you see in you, when people don't see in you what God sees in you. And David can go and say, you know, well, well, uh, I'm going to just have a pity party about it and focus on that. And it creates in him an attitude of bitterness and defeat and uh, feeling sorry for himself. But if he does that, he's going to miss out on his opportunity to kill a giant. So you've got to choose the attitude that you're going to adopt in every situation. Usted tiene que escoger la decisión o la actitud que usted va a adoptar. On top of that, David is a wounded son. Encima de esto, David es una, una hijo herido. 
Now, I'm mentioning these things to you because I don't want you to think, well, you know, that's David. David's up here, and I'm down here, and of course he had a good attitude. He had it going on at home. No, really, he didn't. His brothers resented him, and his father didn't even think about inviting him to dinner when the prophet came into town. Imagine your family has a big party, and they don't invite you. Say, Pastor, I don't have to invite. Imagine that. They did that to me last week. Well, David can walk around saying, you know, my daddy doesn't love me. My dad doesn't care. My dad didn't even invite me to dinner. And, and just live his whole life with that attitude of, of self-pity and anger at life and frustration with life. Or he can go kill a giant. So you've got to decide, which attitude am I going to have? And uh, when you and I are walking in covenant with God, the attitude we ought to have is quite, uh, quite clear in the scripture. I want you to just think about how important your attitude is because what you, what you carry around in your heart is going to help um, determine the, the decisions you make, the approach that you take to life. And sometimes people get in an attitude of negativity. All they know is what can't be done. All they know is how, how bad life is, how bad the economy is, how bad the weather is, on and on and on about how bad it is. And if you adopt that attitude of negativity, guess what you're going to have in your life? Negativity. Si usted adopta la actitud de, de, uh, de lo negativo, siempre hablando de lo que no se puede hacer, lo que no tengo, a donde no he llegado, usted siempre va a vivir en, ese, uh, en esa actitud. Some people have an attitude of pride. Otros tienen una actitud de orgullo. They never, they, they, they never see themselves in need of anybody else or especially of God. Y esa actitud los lleva a la derrota. La actitud de orgullo los lleva a la derrota. The attitude of pride leads you to defeat. The Bible said pride comes before the fall. It's always going to lead to destruction. Some people have the attitude of bitterness. They're just chewing on those bad things that happened to them years ago or last week or last uh, or yesterday. Algunos tienen la actitud de amargura, o siempre masquitando como un chicle viejo, aquello que les hicieron hace mucho tiempo. Y, uh, y esa amargura ha destruido su actitud. That bitterness has destroyed their attitude. Have you ever had a bitter waitress? A bitter cashier? You just don't even want to eat there, right? Takes all the fun out of it. Cuando usted tiene uh, un encuentro con una persona amarga, le quita el gozo de todas las cosas. Instead, what should we have? We should have an attitude of gratitude. That means we should express thanksgiving to God. Instead of looking at what we don't have, we should turn around and look at what we do have. And when you look at what you do have, you're going to realize, you know what? I have a whole lot more than I don't have, and what I have is good. Say amen, somebody. Si usted toma la actitud de gratitud, usted va a ver que usted tiene mucho más que lo que usted pensaba que tenía. Come on, just, just do what the old, the old uh, chorus used to say. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. If you have a hard time being grateful... Just sit down and start thinking about what you do have. And you say, well, I can't move my right leg, but I can move my left leg. I can't, I can't, uh, 
I, you know, they took it, uh, they had to take a uh, tooth out the other day, so there were a lot of things I couldn't eat, but there's still a lot of things I could eat, right? And you just got to look at life through the perspective of the good things that you have in your life and the goodness of God in your life. And when you start to do that, you start to realize God has blessed me. Come on, because you're not here by accident. And you don't have what you have by accident. You have what you have and you've come this far because of the goodness of a good God in your life giving you covenant advantage. Say amen, somebody. So be grateful. Adopt the attitude of gratitude in your life. There's also the attitude of humility. When you walk and you know, you know what? I don't even deserve the things I've been given. But I thank God for them. And, and I'm dependent upon God for them. También está la actitud de humildad que nos trae a la victoria. Junto a la actitud de gratitud. Cuando podemos entender lo que yo tengo, lo recibí de Dios. Y lo que voy a tener, también lo voy a recibir de Dios. Así que voy a tener humildad delante de Dios. Es also the attitude of grace and graciousness. También está la actitud de gracia. Uh, how many of you are gracious? ¿Cuántos son llenos de gracia? Grace is an attitude that you need to adopt every day. Because you know what? You blow it too. It's healthy to say that to yourself every once in a while. You know what? I blow it too. Because when you get into the attitude of saying, oh, they really let me down. They really messed up. They really did it to me. And you, stop to th you don't stop to think, I could blow it just as bad. We need grace. Say amen, somebody. When you adopt that attitude of grace, you start to realize, you know what, not only uh, does, does life move a lot easier, but you start focusing on things that really matter in your life. There's also the attitude of contentment. When, when you say, you know what, I don't have everything I want to have, but what I have is enough for right now, and I'm going to be content with where I am while I work toward the things I want in my life. That doesn't mean that where I am is all I'm ever going to have. Say amen, somebody. También está la actitud de contentamiento. Cuando usted se puede, puede estudiar su vida y estar contento con lo que tiene. Y, y eso no significa que no va a querer más. Que no, trabajar, no va a trabajar a, a, así a lograr más. Pero que en este momento usted tiene todo lo necesario para poder estar contento. At this moment, you have everything you need to be content. And the Bible says that godliness with contentment is a source of great gain. Dice la Escritura que la piedad con contentamiento es la fuente de gran ganancia. That means that when you adopt a content spirit, God gives you more. Cuando usted tiene un, una actitud de contentamiento, Dios le da más. So, you've got to make a decision. I'm going to choose my attitude. I have control over my attitude. Usted tiene control sobre su actitud. And uh, you've got to learn to, you got to know yourself. Usted se tiene que conocer a sí mismo. And if you don't know yourself, tell the Holy Spirit to teach you, to convict you, to get on you. He'll get on you, won't he? Cuando usted, si usted no se conoce a sí mismo, dele lugar al Espíritu Santo que él lo conozca y él lo va a reprender cuando usted tenga una actitud mala, una actitud que no le va a llevar a la victoria. You know how much time gets lost on a bad attitude. David is, is going to fight a giant or he's going to fight anger. He's going to fight a giant or he's going to fight discouragement. 
He's going to fight a giant or he's going to fight his past. That brings us to the next choice that you have to make, and that is you have to choose your battles. Número dos, escoja sus batallas. Tell your neighbor, choose your battles. You know that you don't have to fight every fight. Again, nobody said amen. Usted no tiene que pelear todas las batallas. Just like you have control over the attitude, you also have control over which battles you're going to fight. Listen, not every battle is as important as every other battle. There are some fights that need to be had, and those fights need to be focused on. Hay algunas batallas que usted tiene que hacer, tiene que tener, y tiene que enfocarse en ellas. Pero no todas las batallas son iguales. Like, for instance, fighting over the burnt toast in the morning is not worth it. Si se le quemaron las tortillas, eso no es una buena batalla. Amen, somebody. If, if you know, you have a, a fender bender, it's probably not a fight worth having. Pastor, you don't know my truck. You know, my car. You see, we get, we get into fights sometimes that are irrelevant to the overall big picture of what God wants to do. David can stop and fight his brother and start saying, you always count me out. You always call me the little guy. You always push me around. But as he does that, he's missing the opportunity to fight a giant, and that one is worth fighting. That fight is, wor is worth having. That battle is worth engaging. And so tonight, I want to just challenge you with this, to choose wisely. Every fight will cost you something, so choose wisely. Cada batalla le va a costar algo. If you fight about the toast, it's going to cost you something. Or if you fight Goliath, it's going to cost you something. So don't leave, don't leave your investment on every battlefield. You've got to know when to walk away. And say, this fight is not for me. Usted tiene que saber cuando retirarse y decir, esto no merece mi tiempo. Listen, you got to know how to say, this isn't worth my time. Usted tiene que entender cuando puede decir, esto no merece mi tiempo. I have, I have a devil to fight. I have a giant to kill. I have a vision to fulfill. I have a call of God to accomplish in my life. This thing right here is not worth it for me, not right now. Say amen, somebody. You've got to make up uh, that clear decision in your mind. Usted tiene que tener claro en su mente, esta guerra, esta batalla, no merece mi atención. No merece mi tiempo. Secondly, you need to know when to say this fight is for another day. También tiene que aprender a determinar cuando la batalla es para otro día. There may be a, a fight that needs to be had or something you need to confront, but this may not be the day for it. Quizá hay algo que usted tiene que confrontar, una batalla que sí tiene que tener, pero este no es el día. Este no es el momento para hacerlo. And that's why you need to be led by the Spirit as you do, as you do this. Tiene que ser guiado por el Espíritu because there's going to be a better time. Puede haber un mejor tiempo. Goliath, uh, if you study the, the, the book of 1 and 2 Samuel, there are actually five giants. Hay cinco gigantes que 
que se encuentran en los, en los libros de primera y segunda de Samuel. How many did David kill that day? One. You got to choose your battles. Some of the giants, the other giants, were killed by men that David trained. And when David was an old man, the Bible said the giant confronted Israel. And when David was an old man, he tried to get up and go fight him. And his, his spiritual son, his, uh, his men of war said to him, sit down, Papa. We'll take care of this. Because we don't want the light of Israel to be extinguished before it's time. There's a right time to fight the giant. There's a right time to do the thing that needs to be done. And if this ain't the day for it, you've got to know I can walk away. I don't have to have this fight today. You also need to know when it's not your fight. También usted tiene que saber cuando no es su batalla. You know, we get involved too much in other people's fights. No se envuelve usted mucho en batallas de otra gente. Listen, you got your own giants. You have your own problems. Why do you got to carry around your, your co-workers' problems and the drama from their house and the drama from the person you met at the grocery store? You don't have time for all that. Say amen, somebody. I said, you have a giant to fight. You have a devil to fight. You have your own, your own victories that God wants to give you. And you've got to decide, this is not my fight. Sometimes people will show up in our life, they want us to take their side. They want us to tell them what they want to hear. They want us to get in their corner. You've got to know when to say, this ain't my fight. I'll pray for you. I'll tell you what the word says, but that's it. I'm not getting involved in someone else's fight. Because you know what happens when you get involved in someone else's fight? You're going to get hurt. Si usted se envuelve en la pelea de alguien más, usted se va, uh, va a salir golpeado. Así que tiene que buscar sabiduría. Seek wisdom. And then you need to ask myself, is my motive wrong? También pregúntese, eh, ¿cuál es mi motivo? Am I in this fight for the wrong reason? Estoy en, esto, en esta batalla por la razón equivocada o el motivo equivocado. Listen, when you read chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, you understand David's motive. Cuando usted lee el capítulo 17 de 1 Samuel, usted entiende el motivo de David. What is his motive? He says, this giant has defied the armies of the living God. He is very clear in his mind that it will not be allowed, to, a giant will not be allowed to stand in Israel and mock the God of Israel. So he has a very clear motive in his mind, and his motive is the glory of God. What did he tell the giant? He said, today the Lord will give you into my hand so that the earth may know that there's a giant killer in Israel. Is that what he said? No. He said, so that the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. What's his motive? Come on, what's his motive? The glory of God. But see, if he's motivated by pride, failure is in his future. You got you to gotta be clear on this. Is the fight I'm picking because I just don't like to be wrong? Because I don't like to be, I, I have to have the last word? Because I don't like to admit when I have messed up? If that's the fight you're having, Pride is your motive. 
si usted si usted está peleando porque no quiere que no quiere salir bajo la mesa, no quiere estar equivocado, no quiere pedir perdón, usted tiene un motivo que es el orgullo y esa no es la batalla que usted necesita estar teniendo. If David goes in there trying to say, I've got something to prove, I'm going to prove to my big brother that I can. I'm going to prove to the king that I can. I'm going to prove to Israel that I can. He's going to get defeated on the battlefield. He's got to go in with a covenant mentality, a covenant understanding. And the kingdom of God operates for the glory of God. And David no puede entrar ahí queriendo probarse. Su motivo no puede ser, yo le voy a probar a mi hermano lo que yo tengo, lo que yo soy. Listen, you're going to wear yourself out trying to prove things to people. Usted se va a cansar tratando de probarle a la gente. And, and many times that's what drives people. Muchas veces eso es lo que, lo que mueve a la gente. They, they go after a career in order to prove something to everybody else. Uh, van detrás de un, una carrera or, 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 or trying to make more money or trying to have a better car tener mejor automóvil o tener mejor más dinero para probarle a la, a la gente los que no creyeron en mí que yo sí puede que yo sí puedo and you might you might actually get it done but at the end of the day if what you're seeking is other people's approval you've missed the whole point that there is a God in heaven who approves of you that there is a God in heaven who loves you and that his approval is worth more than the approval of all men in all time and all generations come on somebody you cannot get into a fight just to prove something to yourself or to other people you've got to get into a fight because it's God's fight because it's God's glory that is the motive of your heart David, guided by that principle, is going to choose the battle that he's going to get into. Because you see, he can either fight his brother or he can fight the king. And if he does either of those things, he's going to miss the opportunity to slay a giant that is defying Israel and, and ultimately give the entire land of Israel uh, the victory. Say amen, somebody. Choose your fight. Tell your neighbor again, choose your fight. You have some choices to make tonight, don't you? Usted tiene decisiones que hacer. Here's the third one. Choose your weapon. Aquí está el número tres. Escoge tu arma. You remember what King Saul does? The Bible says King Saul dressed up David in his armor. And then he gave, he, he tied his sword to David. And David tried to move around because he had never tested this weapon before. And the scripture says that David got enough wisdom to tell Saul, I'm not going to go into battle wearing your stuff. He took it off. Say, take it off. Listen, you got to take off all of the stuff that people put on you that wasn't from God. Usted tiene que quitarse todo lo que alguien más le puso que no venía de Dios. The devil will load you down if you let him. Satanás lo va a hacer a sentirse con el, el peso de muchas cosas si usted lo deja. And, and he'll put guilt on you. He'll put shame on you. He'll put in uh, unbelief on you. Él va a poner la culpabilidad sobre usted. La, el, el, uh, el temor, la vergüenza lo va a poner sobre usted. And because uh, we let him, y, y, y si lo dejamos, nos va a 
incapacitar. If we allow him, it'll incapacitate us. And the, the, the key word there that David uses when he tells Saul that he cannot uh, use his armor is he says, I have not tested this before. That's in verse 39. So you've got to choose your weapon. Either he can go into battle with Saul's weapon or he can go into battle with the weapons that he has tested, with the weapons that he has tried, with the, with the testimony of God's faithfulness in his own life. Él tiene que decidir si él va a ir a la batalla con la armadura o la herramienta de, de Saúl o si va a entrar a la batalla con la herramienta que él sabe que funciona. And you've got to be, you got to be conscious of this because there are a lot of weapons that the world will offer you. The world will offer you the weapon of psychology. The world will offer you human wisdom. The world will offer you human philosophy. You've got to decide that stuff doesn't work for me. I know what God says. I know what God has promised. I know what God can do in my life. And I'm going to go to battle with what I know works. Amen, somebody. I'm going to go to battle on the basis of the faithfulness of God in my own life. And David is going to go to battle with his sling and a stone. Why? Because that's what he had tested. That's what he knew. Listen, God has given you gifts. God has given you abilities. They're not like my gifts. They're not like my abilities. You don't have to have what I have to kill your giant. And I don't have to have what you have to kill my giant. Say amen, somebody. You've got to use the gifts God gave you. Usted tiene que usar los dones que Dios le dio a usted. If you try to use the gifts that God gave me, they're going to weigh you down. Si usted trata de usar los dones que Dios le dio a alguien más, le van a hacer peso y lo van a incapacitar. Usted tiene que conocer sus dones y conocer lo que Dios lo ha puesto en usted. You got to know your gifts. You got to know what God has put in you and then use those gifts until you see the victory in your life. Y luego usar esos dones, esas habilidades, hasta que usted vea la manifestación de la victoria en su vida. And when you and I make this decision, I'm going in with the weapons God gave me. You'll discover that God will anoint who you are. Say amen, somebody. God will never anoint who you pretend to be. Dios jamás va a ungir lo que usted pretende ser. Él va a ungir lo que usted es. Lo que Dios lo llamó a ser, lo que Dios lo formó. I said, God's going to anoint what you are called to be, who you were chosen by God to be. Now, I want to close this up by, by demonstrating how David goes into this battle. The scripture says that he approaches Goliath. El, el se llega a Goliath. Now, I want you to think about this. What did Saul offer him? Saul offered him armor, and he offered him a sword. They're both good things. But they weren't the equipment he needed for the battle he was in. So he approaches the giant. And I want you to notice a couple of things because uh, historians uh, tell us and, uh, and uh, people who study this particular uh, disease of giantism uh, tell us that when, when someone has the physical attributes that, that Goliath had, most likely they suffer from a disease. And that particular disease... Uh, make someone 
grow into being a giant, but it also creates certain weaknesses in them. One of them is the impaired vision, the inability to see. Cuando hacen estudios sobre el gigantismo, uh, los científicos nos han dicho que es una enfermedad que, que causa que una persona crezca a ser gigante. Pero esa enfermedad también produce, aunque produce alguna fuerza uh, mayor, también produce debilidad. Y la debilidad es la falta de visión. That's why if you study the text, you see that Goliath was led by his armor bearer. Goliath fue guiado por el, el, el muchacho que le cargaba la armadura. If you study this carefully, you will understand the armor bearer doesn't lead. Why is the armor bearer leading Goliath? Because he can't see. El cargador de la armadura le está guiando a Goliath. Eso no se hacía. El, el cargador de la armadura iba atrás. The armor bearer goes behind. But in this case, he's in front because the giant needs a guide. El gigante no puede ver. Necesita una guía. What am I telling you? Your, your giant is not as strong as you think he is. Su gigante no es tan fuerte como usted piensa. Now, the other, the other clue we have in the text is that the giant says to David, come here. El gigante le dice a David, ven para acá. Y yo, yo te voy a destruir. Come here and I'm going to uh, I'm going to make potted meat out of you, basically. You see, the giant can only defeat David if he goes into hand-to-hand combat. David, or el gigante, solamente puede vencer a David si David se mete mano a mano. You heard of that, right? Mano a mano. Hand-to-hand. And if David goes into a hand-to-hand combat with a giant, He's going to die. Si David se mete a una, a una batalla, mano a mano con este gigante, lo va a matar. So David has to keep his distance. David tiene que mantener su distancia. Because the kind of battle he's in requires that kind of strategy. La batalla en la cual él está requiere esa estrategia. And listen, that's why a sword and armor isn't going to help him. What he needs here is a sling and a stone. He needs to be able to project something. Él necesita poder proyectar algo. Necesita poder pelear desde acá. He needs to be able to fight from over here. Tonight, I want you to understand that you don't need to get as close to the devil as, you, as you've been getting in order to fight him. And some people make this mistake of thinking, well, I'm going to go win my friends who are hooked on drugs by hanging out with them when they're, when they're doing the junk. You go hand to hand, you're going to get killed. Come on, say amen somebody. You've got to know how to keep your distance and understand you have weapons that don't require you to be face to face with the enemy. They do require you to be face to face with God. You have the weapon of prayer. And the Bible said that he sent his word. So when you get into battle, all you have to do is send the word. Say amen, somebody. 
You send the word in prayer. You send the word in the confession of the word of God in your life. And you're going to see that God will do more with that than you could ever do trying to fight a devil hand to hand. David is, is, is wise. He's led by the advantage that he's been given. Think about it. How great is this advantage that he can knock a demon down from over here? He can knock this giant down from over here. He doesn't have to get close. And he doesn't have to fight on his terms. And that's the important thing tonight. I want you to take away. You don't fight the devil on his terms. You fight the devil on God's terms. You don't fight the giant on his terms. You fight the giant on the terms of the covenant. Say amen, somebody. You understand who you are and what you have, and you fight on God's terms. You'll have victory every time. And he started swinging that, that sling and that stone when it left David's sling. It was David's gift, David's character, David's faith. All at work. Activating the power of God on David's behalf. And the Bible tells us that, that that stone sunk into the head of that giant. And he really couldn't see now. He fell straight down to the ground. And then the Bible said David went and he took his sword. And he cut off Goliath's sword with his, Goliath's head with Goliath's sword. You see, victory belongs to covenant people. Say amen, somebody. Victory belongs to covenant people. So you've got to take the, the, the stone and you've got to take the sling and you've got to do battle on God's terms, with God's word, with faith in God, with confidence in the covenant of God, and you'll see the victory show up in your life. Your giant is not as strong as you think he is. He's not as smart as you think he is. He may huff and he puff, but he can't blow your house down. Come on, somebody. You belong to God. You're in covenant with God. Face it. I said face it. Face the giant. Take him down in the name of Jesus. Victory belongs to you. Do you believe that tonight? It's time to make some decisions. It's time to decide, what weapon am I going to use? Am I going to use the weapon of the flesh, or am I going to use the weapons of the spirit? You see, sometimes when you get into a battle, you try to go back to your old man to use the weapons you used to use back then. And some of you use weapons like manipulation, and you use weapons like uh, uh, aggressive words and physical violence, and some of you use weapons that, or, that were like drugs or addiction, or some of you use weapons like money to get what you wanted, but you're in a new ball game now, and there's a whole new set of weapons God wants you to use. Say amen, somebody. And the weapons of the spirit, the weapons of our warfare, the Bible says, are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the tearing down of strongholds. Come on. You make the decision. You make the choice. To choose the weapon of the spirit, the weapon of, of the word, the weapon of prayer, the weapon that prevails against the enemy. And you'll see the covenant advantage manifested in your life. Let's stand together. All over this room, just lift your hands to heaven. Start making some choices.
Just lift your hands to heaven and surrender to God and say, God, if I've made some bad choices in my attitude, I repent for it right now. I repent for it right now. I've been letting my mind run away with my blessings. I've been letting self-pity and self-doubt run away with my blessings. Enough is enough. I choose gratitude. I choose faith. I choose confidence in God. I choose the attitude. That pleases the Lord. God, I pray you give me wisdom to choose my battles. Because I've been losing a lot of time on things that don't matter. Things that can't pay me a single dividend. Things that can't bring a single blessing into my life. I pray right now for wisdom to choose the right battles. And I repent for battles I've been fighting that are not worth my time. They're not worth my attention. God, I lay those things down tonight. I want to fight battles that will make an eternal difference. I want to fight the battles that bring glory to God. I want to fight the, the battles that will bless this nation and bless my church and bless my family. Come on, choose your battles tonight. You've got to decide, I've got to let that thing go. I'll fight that another day. Today I've got to go on. Today I've got bigger things to do. God's glory is at stake. Father, I pray for wisdom to choose the weapons of spiritual warfare, the weapons of spiritual victory, the weapons that prevail, the weapons that no giant can contradict. We declare, oh God, our confidence is in you. We thank you, God, for a new perspective, a clear vision. We thought the devil had us marked. We thought he had a, an advantage over us. But tonight we've been reminded we are the covenant children of God. The blood of Jesus has given us the advantage. We will not be defeated. We will not be destroyed. We will stand and we will fight and we will have victory. We will have victory in the name of Jesus.